0: Everybody and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. As you can see, Bell and I are doing things as we did what, a few weeks ago. We did this uh, little virtual thing here. But regardless of that being said, uh, it's an interesting time here. I think over the past weekend, the Seahawks technically played a game. I know it was a mock game, so mm-hmm. it's kind of there, but it, it's a little odd that we've got a game next week. I mean, they go on the road to play Pittsburgh at, uh, it's not Heinz Field anymore. So we don't want to call it Heinz Field, right? But they go to, she's so actually going to play a game. And it's August. And the Mariners are playing meaningful games. The Storm are about to, well, they got to finish out the regular season, but they're about to hit playoffs. The Kraken season starting to come around. The Sounders and the rain are still underway. So it's a very. Active time here in Seattle sports. The weather's been great. It's still technically summer. So, with that being said, we're going to continue here into some Seahawks football uh, with that mock game, some news regarding Pete Carroll. Uh, mm-hmm. With that being said, I'm going to throw it over to Bell here to get us started uh, with our gridiron news for our Seahawks. So, Bell, what uh, took place over the past week for our Seahawks?
1: Well, uh, Pete Carroll, as you may know, did have to serve some days in isolation due to being diagnosed with COVID. But since then, he has um, Returned to the team. So it's good that he has recovered and we're glad to see him back. And as you said, the Seahawks had a mock game on Saturday, I believe. The team, Team Blue won over Team Green 17 to 13. Uh, team Blue was pri- primarily made out of starters. The quarterbacks for the game, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Uh, Geno Smith ended the mock game with 10, when he went 10 for 19 and had 94 yards. Drew Locke went 18 for 27 and had 185 yards in one one touchdown. So if that gives us any clarity to how the two are standing and how that race is going, then might be a shoe in for Drew Locke here. (laughs) What do you think, Chuck?
0: I think, uh, I mean, obviously the signs are good there. I know that uh, what was interesting to me, Bell. I don't know if you saw it or not, but Geno Smith openly came out and said, you know, you know, with these competitions, things can get dicey. You know, I just saw a headline about Malik Willis and I remember Ryan Tannehill basically saying it's not my job to mentor him, which is yeah. ludicrous, ridiculous. And I hope Malik Willis gets a starting job in Tennessee because of a comment like that. But also yes. to go back to it, Smith basically said, I want it to be known, put it on the record that I support Drew Locke. I've got his back. So it's good to know that there's that camaraderie there. And you just hope that obviously that is um Genuine? I don't doubt that it is genuine. Uh, But like you said, I mean, with the numbers, the numbers are good there. Uh, As we talked about since the trade um, from Denver, it seems like the media took it in Denver that Locke never got a true and fair shot.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Pete Carroll talked about when he was at USC, when he had Carson Palmer. Carson necessarily wasn't the product that he became in the NFL. Carson Palmer had a great extensive NFL career. But what Carroll was able to provide him with was a good defense and a strong running game. And that seems to be what they're trying to build in Seattle. I know that we look back at Charles Cross, our first round first well, it was a ninth overall pick. Uh, yes. He's been getting starting time. Uh, Abraham Lucas on the right tackle spot out of Washington state's been getting starting time. So we're seeing this, uh, Injection of youth into this team. I know just keeping up with it, cornerbacks Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant have been active. So mm-hmm. it seems like they're trying to put it not only on offense, but as a team, give Drew Locke the keys to the car and just let give him the best support system that they can. Uh, I think that with training camp kind of coming to a close and we get more to the actual uh, preseason games, these preseason games are the ultimate proving ground. I remember being at Russell Wilson's first uh, home preseason game against the Titans and he he was making plays on his, with his legs. And you think this guy is exciting to watch. This guy's making some plays and it wasn't necessarily against Matt Flynn, but Matt Flynn wasn't rolling out of the pocket like that. Right. Um, So preseason can ultimately be where things make or break. I think that in my personal opinion, I think Locke will come out with the starting job. Yeah. With that being said, I'm not going to panic if Geno Smith takes it over because he's a veteran and he's a guy that uh, a lot of the veterans are trusted by. We looked at, what, a few weeks ago, K.J. Wright. uh, He said, i Geno Smith all the way, right? But at the end of the day, true game reps are what matters. Uh, Legendary linebacker Derek Thomas played for Kansas City for a long time. Uh, The lore goes that he didn't practice. He just came to games and dominated. He Uh, Set the in-game record for most sacks by a single player with seven. I believe he would have eight against the Seahawks, but the Seahawks completed a Hail Mary to win the game after uh, the quarterback evaded Derek Thomas. Regardless, some history for you. Uh, In-game reps are what matter. So the preseason is ultimately where this proven ground is. And this is, hey, if Drew Locke's going to get the starting job, I think it starts uh when we begin what on saturday against the steelers i think right time to do it right it's your time to put all of this into action
1: it's interesting when people have a take of preseason doesn't matter we don't care to watch it but when you're in kind of a rebuilding phase like it feels like seattle is then it kind of makes or breaks who is going to fill positions so it's interesting to see who steps up in those games um, moving on here, we do have some more training camp going on, but only four more sessions are open to the fans. That's August 9th, 10th, 16th, and 21st. And I believe Charles will be at one of those. So he can fill us in on some information, some takeaways that he gets from there. Um, and then hopefully some good photos as well. And we'll move on to some league news here. On August 2nd, the Dolphins pu- were punished for their involvement with Brady. So a few months back, it was rumored that the Dolphins were trying to target Tom Brady. And I don't think anyone took it seriously, really. Um, but it's kind of interesting to see that it was all true. So Miami is stripped of their 2023 first round pick for its alleged off-season communications with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. Um, Harsh punishment? What do you think?
0: It's really interesting. Cause like you said, it was like, did this really happen? I mean, they talked about Brady having ownership stake with Miami, Sean Payton leaving the saints, which he's retired now. So still he could technically like next year come and join the dolphins. Um, Miami has got some good pieces. Uh, obviously Brady would be able to say in the state of Florida, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting. But I would have to think uh, for the NFL to actually, uh, it's a first round pick, right? It's not like they took a seventh round pick or they right. fined them $50,000. It's a first round pick. That's pretty impactful. So I have to think that the NFL did find the legitimate reasoning uh, to do so. And, you know, since we got that headline, I haven't seen any retaliation. So I imagine it's true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to agree with you there and we'll move on to some Deshaun Watson kind of news, not really news, um, but essentially the NFL is going to appeal Watson's trial decision. So final determination will go to Roger Goodell or his designee. So we'll have more to report once we find some more information or more solidified news on what Watson's punishment will or will not be moving on to august 7th here the 49ers are in no rush to trade garoppolo san francisco has no clear trade partner for garoppolo and are willing to wait to cut down day for a move so it seems like there's no sense of urgency in getting garoppolo out of san francisco and who knows what offers they've received for garoppolo so looking ahead here um As Chuck mentioned, our first preseason game on the 13th at Pittsburgh, that's going to be at 4 p.m. and you can watch it on NFL Network. So that about wraps us up here for football. So we can move on to our Mariners.
0: So we look over here to the Mariners. I mean, I know that, you know, with being in a playoff spot at the time being, there's heightened expectation to continue uh, to hopefully take the first overall wildcard spot, host a three game set. Uh, in the playoffs, but, I mean, we have some lighter news this week, which is kind of funny and something I didn't really expect. We'll get to that in a minute, Uh, but going forward into our past game recaps, the Mariners played two series over the past week, one in the Bronx against the Bronx Bombers, the New York Yankees, which is a daunting task. I mean, the Yankees have uh, guys like Aaron Judge who are on uh, pace to eclipse Roger Maris for the most homers in a single season, Um, by Yankee at least. so August first against the Yankees, exactly a week ago, uh, the Mariners lost that opening game of the series seven to two. Player of the game, designated hitter Kyle Lewis. Uh, Lewis one hit, one run, an RBI. Uh, Lewis would have a solo homer in the second inning, uh, but ultimately the Mariners would not be able to keep pace with the Yankees in Game One. In Game Two on the second, uh, the Mariners would win that game eight to six. Player of the game, first baseman Carlos Santana. Slam Tana going one hit, one double, and three RBIs, and a A big bounce back game again this is in new york against the yankees uh which is daunting in and of itself as i mentioned and they're able to split the series there going into the wednesday matinee game uh in new york uh, on the third the mariners would come out and kind of dominate that one winning seven to three player of the game third baseman a eugenio suarez uh, one hit one run three rbis and a three run homer so to set the stage uh, for this series and then the one that the Mariners are about to play uh, then over the next, the course of today, the next two days, uh, again, the Yankees are tied with the Astros for the best records well the most wins in the American league. Um, I'm not sure where the Dodgers are checking in, uh, in the, uh, in the national league, but the Yankees have talent all over their roster. They're the Bronx bombers for a reason. And they've got a great pitching staff with that being said, you can see in that third game on uh, August 3rd, the Mariners got after the Yankees and even the game before scoring eight runs. So it's it's really interesting to me. I've talked about it in articles before, but the Mariners' offense can be very inconsistent, very Jekyll and Hyde-like. You see they put up uh, three homers in the first inning against Garrett Cole, who has struggled in the past year, I would say, to an extent, but he's still one of the top pitchers in the league. Uh, You've got one of the better rotations, the Yankees acquired Frankie Montes from the Athletics over the trade deadline. I know they wanted Luis Castillo but couldn't get the deal done, as you saw the Mariners did. Um, But ultimately, that was an impressive series to win, which kind of makes this next series back home against the Angels a little frustrating because you see what you did just a day ago or so, right? And you come into the series back home at T-Mobile Park and you say, what happened? Why are we, it's almost like you're playing down to the other team's level. We go to the Angels series, which is a four game set over the weekend. Uh, August 5th versus the Angels in game one was a narrow loss, four to three. The Mariners would go down three to nothing early. Uh, storm back in the ninth inning and lose an extra innings. Played the game first baseman, Ty France. France had one hit, but uh, two RBIs. That two RBI base hit in the bottom of the ninth tied the game up for Seattle and would send things to extra innings. Uh, As I mentioned, though, unfortunately losing in the 10th. Uh, August 6th versus the Mariners, pardon me, versus the Angels in game one of a split doubleheader. Uh, The Mariners would win game one, two to one. Uh, So a nice narrow game there, bouncing back from that loss last night. Player of the game, once again, Ty France, one hit, one run, two RBIs. France would have a two-run homer that gave the Mariners the lead in the third, and they would never look back. Uh, so nice to get game one. And then uh, being there, there was about 40 minutes from the time the game ended to the time that the gates opened up back at T-Mobile Park. So, I mean, you get a quick air breath of air, and then we're back to things. Uh, the second game of that doubleheader was far more unfortunate though as the Mariners lost 7 to 1 as you can see just brutal i mean this is a angels team that Uh, Shohei Ohtani has been struggling at the plate. Mike Trout's not playing at the moment. So your two superstars, two of the biggest faces in all of baseball, uh, not really pulling their weight for this Angels team, and you still get blown out by them. Uh, Player of the game, catcher Luis Terenz. Terenz, a one-hit run-run. He had his first homer of the year uh, in that game against the Angels. So, as I mentioned, disappointing result. Uh, You really wanted to win this series against the Angels because, Bell, what do we talk about? Winning series. Right. Um, And this is a Angels team that has one of the worst records in baseball over the course of the past two months following uh, the brawl or the dust up, whatever you want to call it, down in Anaheim. Um, And and you split a series with them. At the end of the day, you got to take care of business against these teams that are not vying for a playoff spot. And you didn't do it in that series. You know, you can be content with the split. But at the end of the day, you should expect better Uh, in the August 7th game versus the Angels. This past Sunday, the Mariners would win that one six to three, obviously, to take that series split. Player of the game, left fielder Jesse Winker, one hit, one run for RBI, as the great Dave Niehaus would say. Uh, break out the rye bread and salami grandma. It was a grand slam. I mean, I, I think that's the second one of the year following Julio's uh, down in Texas right before the All Star break. Uh, so good for Winker to get that going. Uh, get that grand slam, obviously you can tell. You take away those four runs, and you're looking at a different result. Um, the Mariners, with that result, with that grand slam, would go to 17 for 93 on the season with the bases loaded. So, you know, still working on that number. Uh, but really clutch to get that stat at that moment to really put you ahead early. Uh, And that was the reason why I selected Winker as my player of the week, uh, or part of it. He was kind of the cherry on top. Winker has been playing better as of lately since the All-Star break, Uh, the 14 plate appearances, five hits, five runs, two homers, five, I believe that's five RBIs, 11 total bases. You can see the numbers are improving over this past seven days. Uh, With that being said, with Julio Rodriguez out, he should be back Wednesday. Uh, and some of these other batters in the lineup kind of struggling. I mean, I love Kyle Lewis as much as the next guy, but Kyle's been struggling to an extent. Um, You know, Winker, too, since he had a career year last year, and there was some worry that with the Marine layer here in Seattle that he might take a dip. Uh, He talked about, you know, the expectations for himself and turning a corner and said that when he got traded, that he did set an expectation for himself, and it was tough because he hadn't been traded at the big league level before. Um, with that being said, I got to cut down on that. Um, Winker's (laughs) been, see over the past seven days improving and to get that sort of improvement, to have that bat in the lineup would be huge, huge for this Mariners team. Because if you look at it, ideally, right. When Julio's uh, back in left field, we go Winker center, Julio right field, Mitch Hanniger, and then your standard infield of Suarez Crawford. Probably Frazier, who has been doing better, I almost picked him as my player of the week. Um, yeah. France. So that's your healthy, that's your ideal healthy lineup, and then Raleigh as the backstop um, to get that out production from Winker, who has historically had his best month in August, is big to really taking care of business, to scoring runs, to helping your starting rotation, um, and taking as I as I said, taking care of business because we're playing too many one-run games that you played two runner in the games against the angels and you shouldn't have had to do that. So, um, that's my piece on winker. Uh, why did you go with Gino? I know that he had the tank, the bright ne- neon green tank top, uh, on Sunday was the, uh, I think the special, uh, good vibes only section, mm-hmm. uh, which was fun to see Scott wearing that. I think a bunch of other guys had it on, but uh, what was your reasoning behind going with Gino this week?
1: Um, I thought I almost went with Ty France and that kind of just felt safe, although he did really well against the Angels in his um, in his games back. But I went with Gino because of his performance with the Yankees. So that was a series one. Um, Gino had. In his four at-bats, he had two runs, two hits, one walk, and a two RBI against the Yankees for that second game. And then in that third game, of course, that one hit, one run, three RBI, three run homer. So I thought he just really stepped up and helped us secure that series. And that was big. So I had to go with Gino.
0: Yeah. And, you know, with when we had the All-Star break, I had obviously those two edits made for Ty and Julio. And it was just interesting looking at their stats and you see, and most of these stats that matter offensively Gino's right there second mm-hmm. or third he's just always there so um he's been you know I look at I've uh, a buddy of mine keeps up with his defensive stats um he's been and as we talked about when the trade happened and and, and since then was kind of thought as an afterthought and has just been great over a third uh has some errors but over the course of 162 games you're gonna right um so it's, it's it's really cool to have Gino on this team because it seems like he really fits in with his clubhouse. So I don't blame you for that choice this week, as you mentioned, being coming up big in that series against New York on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, continuing here uh, with injury related news, had an update from DePoto on the fourth Jerry DePoto said that he expects Ty France to be in the lineup on Friday, which... He was. And they were waiting for Mitch Hanniger to tell them that he is ready to return. And he would play in game two of the Angels doubleheader on Saturday and has been in the lineup since. Uh, I think he's been pretty productive as well, I believe. Uh, Following along with that Mariners game on Sunday, Mitch was getting on base. I know he had a single and a walk. So, I mean, that's instant. Once you get guys back, I know that uh, surrounding after the trade for Luis Castillo, Jerry DePoto said, we're not necessarily looking too hard for another bat because we know we're going to get Mitch Haniger back. So is that working out? I'd say it's too early to tell, but um, having Mitch back is certainly a great presence. And, you know, it's not anything on Sam Haggerty, who's been playing in right pretty often. I think Haggerty's played up pretty well, but Mitch is your guy in right field. Uh, To have Haggerty come off the bench is a luxury to an extent. So it's it's great to have Mitch back in the lineup. Uh, speaking of the trade deadline, we look into team-related news here in the Mariners. Uh, after the Luis Castillo trade, didn't make anything too uh, groundbreaking trade-wise, uh, but did acquire some interesting names. Uh, on the second, the team acquired catcher Kurt Casale from the San Francisco Giants in exchange for right-handed pitcher Michael Streifler. Uh, Casale overall in his career has been a solid backup, having to take over for the Giants due to Joey Bart being injured. Um, But Casale has also been injured. Uh, I know that yesterday he was playing for the Tacoma Rainiers in his rehab stint. So uh, I know that the Mariners want to check in with them. Uh, Them. I say them. A couple of these players uh, that they acquired via, uh, via trade because of their injuries. But it seems like Casale is closer uh, as opposed to anything else uh, to joining the big league club. So that'll be interesting. I know that that kind of puts some pressure on Luis Torrens because it says, oh, we're getting a backup catcher. It's like, what What about me? Torrens? to this point in the season, I know we looked at his solo homer there in one of those games, uh, has generally disappointed. Um, you look at last year, he had some decent pop, uh, was able to be in that tandem. He had Raleigh down the stretch, Tom Murphy was in there. You kind of have a three catchers on the big league roster. It doesn't really happen. Um, so the pressure, you know, with that slow start this year was put on. And I think this is maybe a wake-up call for Terence. So we'll see how that all goes at the end of the day. But I know Casale is getting healthier, so we'll see how that plays out when he joins the big league club. Uh, also on the second the second move of the day, the second of three, the team acquired a relief pitcher, Matthew Boyd, from the Giants as well. Boyd has not played this season due to injury, but is expected to be better soon. He could provide lefty reliever depth, uh, something that the Mariners need with some injuries. Having Ken Giles out, uh, having Diego Castillo out, both of those players actually made rehab uh, appearances up in Everett yesterday. So it will be interesting to see when those guys come back. But this was also a move that was interesting because Sally and Boyd, as I mentioned, have been injured uh, for a decent amount of the season. Uh, Boyd was acquired uh, for Andy Thomas, a catcher that actually was playing in Everett for the Aqua Sox. So, again, interesting moves, right? We'll wrap it up on the second with the team acquiring uh, utility player Jake Lamb from the LA Dodgers in exchange for cash considerations or a player to be named later. If you don't know lamb is actually a seattle native went to high school here in seattle uh went to the university of washington Mm -hmm. and so the seattle boy returns home and did make his uh debut with the big league club uh i believe it was actually on friday i think he came in to pinch hit on friday uh and i think he got on base so Good for Jake Lamb. You know, I'm biased as my, we were both Huskies, Bell. So there is the bias there. Um, but it was interesting with the Poto because he said these were all below the radar, under the radar moves. Um, how much these guys are going to contribute? I don't know. They're obviously not wave makers um, necessarily, right? So it'll be interesting to monitor and see how these guys do for the club, how they impact, how they help push this team forward. Um, as the season progresses. Um, on August 4th, Suarez, Eugenio Suarez, as Bell selected for Player of the Week, was named as the Mariners Heart and Hustle Award winner for 2022, as voted on by his teammates. So that's cool to see. On the 5th, some more roster moves. The team claimed outfielder Derek Hill off of waivers from the Detroit Tigers designated infielder Kevin Padlow for assignment. Uh, Jake Lamb reported to the club and also designated outfielder Travis Jankowski uh, for assignment. So Jankowski there uh, played in one game and had one at bat. Mariners legend, thank you for all you did, Travis. On the sixth, some more roster moves. Mitch Hanniger was reinstated from the 60 day injured list with his right ankle sprain. Uh, so he got uh, reinstated in between those two games taking place. And as a corresponding move, infielder Abraham Toro uh, was optioned to Triple A Tacoma. I'll say really quickly, I know Toro's provided some great moments. He seems to have an uncanny knack to provide offense late in the game, but he's he struggled for the majority of this season. He struggled, so I don't think this is a bad thing. It never hurts to say, hey, you're just going to be down with the coma. You're going to be down with the A team work on some things, and we can have a spot for you. At the end of the day, it's just, as I mentioned, it's just a coma. If they need him, they can call him up relatively quick. It's happened before. So hoping that Abe is able to get that all situated, and uh, hopefully we'll see him back sooner than I need to ask him if he's okay with being called. Abe, because, I going to you know, call We'll up. see about that. But you think it's an easy transition, right? Abraham, Abe, regardless. Um, the news that I was talking about when we – Got to the head of the mariner section was that the team adopted a dugout dog uh his name is tucker as you can see in the photo here he's a four-year-old lab slash retriever mix he was adopted by the clubhouse from okan dogs uh he plans to be around the clubhouse be around the ballpark travel with the team is what i read as well Uh, so that'll be interesting there was a funny quote. There has been no comment by the Mariner Moose. So we'll have to see mm-hmm. how that all sorts itself out. Uh, but certainly cool to see. I know the the uh, Kraken have a team dog as well. So I don't know. Cool to see. Fun little news for you uh, amidst all the seriousness of a, a playoff race. Right. So continuing on into league news, as we talked about, the trade deadline took place. Juan Soto did get traded. He obviously isn't a mayor, else we would have talked about it. The San Diego Padres landed Juan Soto from Washington. The full deal included uh, San Diego receiving outfielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell, who has been pretty solid in his own right. Uh, And Washington receives a slew of prospects and one big league player, shortstop CJ Abrams, left handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore, outfielders Robert Hassel III and James Wood. Right-handed pitcher, Charlene Susana, and first baseman, Luke Voigt. So basically, what those are five of the Padres' top prospects. Um, And Luke Voigt, a guy who's been with the big league club, and San Diego receives Juan Soto and Josh Bell. So the Padres really went in at the deadline. Um, So it'll be really interesting to see if that team, how far they take it. I'll keep an eye on them. I don't mind San Diego. They got a great ballpark down there at Petco Park. But they really went fully in. And for anybody complaining that the team did not acquire Soto, I mean you would have had to give up so much more, and you wouldn't have acquired yeah. Luis Castillo uh bottom line so I'm okay with them the not acquiring soto uh but just really interesting to see that from afar to be on the outside looking in to see how that whole trade went down uh Continuing on the 4th of the month, it was announced that two teams will play in London next season. The Cubs and the Cardinals, the two rivals, uh, will head across the pond for a two-game series next June on the 24th and the 25th. They will play in London Stadium, uh, which is home to West Ham United. So this is a move that is something that the MLB is doing to try and grow the game internationally. Uh, I don't know how London will respond to it, but it's certainly going to be a really interesting uh, setup. Again, playing in a... A football pitch. I don't know how they're gonna get the walls set up and the infield, but we'll have to see how that goes. And I'm, I'll watch. I'm, that's interesting to me. Um, on the sixth, an Otani trade reportedly never came close, despite the Angels uh, fielding calls for the two-way star. uh The Angels never seriously considered moving him, so he'll just have to be a mariner when he becomes a free agent. I <laughs> just I jest, I jest. Uh, and then also on the 6th it was announced that legend Miguel Cabrera will play in 2023 the Tigers slugger does not intend to retire this year and does plan to play out his contract so that'll cool, be cool to see I know that uh, a bunch of the Cardinals guys Albert Pujols, Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina are all finishing up their seasons mm-hmm. uh, and their careers this year Miguel it was kind of in the air if he would, and now we get official word that it will be next year. So looking ahead, the Mariners uh, sit at a 59-win, 51-loss uh, record. They are still second in the AOS, and that knock on wood probably won't change for a bit. They fit currently at third in the wild card race. Uh, they're tied with Tampa Bay for that second spot, but Tampa Bay does uh, have the tiebreaker, so Seattle falls to the third spot. But you can tell there, with that being said, it's a tight race. Uh, they are two games be, two games behind Toronto for first uh, wild card spot. So you're kind of chasing Toronto at the moment. Uh, their week this upcoming week is uh, not easy. You know, as I mentioned, they start a three-game set against the Yankees here. Uh, from the 8th through the 10th, those first two games on the 8th and 9th are on seven ten start times, and the 10th is a Wednesday matinee game uh, with a one first pitch. They then go back on the road to play the Rangers, who seems like they've seen a lot of recently, mm-hmm. down in Arlington. August 12th through 14th, August 12th is a five oh five p.m. first pitch. The 13th is a 4-15 p.m. first pitch, and then a matinee game on the 14th and 11-35 a.m. start. So... Uh, Taking that into consideration, it's going to be another busy week for the Mariners. The Yankees are in town, so uh, a serious opponent ahead of them. Looking ahead now to the storm, uh, kind of a mixed bag and an emotional one, Belle, would you say, uh, as Sue Bird played her last regular season game and as we get here closer uh, to the WNBA playoffs?
1: Yeah, so as you said, a mixed bag, a win and a loss here. You take care of business against Minnesota at home. Um that's a win. 89-77. They really just dominated. That one was storm all the way. Um, Brianna Stewart is our player of the game with thirty three points, eight rebounds, five assists, and two steals. And then August 7th comes around, emotions are high. Uh Coach Quinn gets ruled out on health and safety protocol. So she wasn't there for um, Sue's final reg- regular season home game. But again, as I said, emotions are high. Um, that one is a loss, 89 to 81. Our player of the game, once again, Brianna Stewart with 35 points, 10 rebounds and two assists. That's her second 30-point game. That's a back-to-back 30-point game. The last person to have done that, Charles, Lauren Jackson. So, wow. Yeah. That so is, huh. <laughs> elite company there with that list. Um so again it was super emotional i think everybody in the almost everybody in the arena had some smell of some onions going on except for sue who like completely held her composure it felt like and in her in her speech that she didn't know she was giving until the night before at the end of the game humor smile just like yeah, <laughs> showed no inch of sadness. So it was interesting to see how she approaches just situations like that. But it was a tough one.
0: Yeah, I mean, we look at it. These Vegas is a, probably the best team in the league on its own. So difficult to have to go up against that. But as you mentioned, it was uh, it was obviously an emotional game. But hoping that isn't the last time we see her playing on on a home court. Uh, yes. with playoffs coming up, but the road ahead doesn't get much easier, especially with, you know, hoping that coach Quinn isn't out for too long, as you mentioned, um, hopefully getting Mercedes Russell back for playoffs. Uh, it's, it's not an easy road.
1: Yeah. You're vying for that home court advantage and you have to go through the aces once again, who took care of business here. And it seemed like responded to every single shot that Brianna Stewart had in the, in the fourth, because she really did try to take over there in the fourth Um But Chelsea Gray just, she also came in in the fourth and took care of business for the Aces. Um, Asia mentioned how they just held their composure and that's what they wanted to do throughout the whole game and it worked for them. So yeah, tough loss. Sue mentioned that not only did she lose her last game here playing for the Storm, but she also lost her first ever game in her rookie season. So she said maybe it's a sign of good fortune for the future. (laughs) Again, very positive outlook on the situation. Um, Moving on here, as you said, injury report, Mercedes Russell, we're hoping to have her back for the playoffs, but for now she's out for the season. And on August 3rd, it was also reported, or I'm sorry, Steph Talbot left the game. She turned her ankle coming down from a shot and landed on somebody else's ankle and just turned it. Um, Head coach Noel Quinn stated that Talbot did turn her ankle pretty bad, but did tell coach Quinn that she would be ready for Sunday. So Sunday came around, she was probable. She did play, I believe, a few minutes. I can't remember how much. Um, And then, of course, Coach Quinn was out on health and safety. So not an easy game for the Storm to play the number one team in the Western Conference, who, again, you're battling for that home court advantage in the playoffs. And just all the games moving forward are going to affect your overall standing. So it's a tough road ahead. Um, But we'll move on to some more team notes here. On August 7th, Seattle Mayor Harrell declares August 7th as Sue Bird Day. Congrats to her. She obviously deserves it. That was her last home game, regular season game, sorry, at Climate Pledge Arena. Sue Bird set a new example for what it means to be an athlete and a leader. Becoming a fixture, not just in the record books, but also in our communities, is what Mayor Harrell had to say about her. Also adding that Sue's talent, work ethic, and commitment to teamwork inspire so many Seattle neighbors and fans across the country and globe. She exemplifies a dedication to excellence and partnership that we strive to build in one Seattle. Congratulations to Sue on a fantastic career. Good luck in his final games with the playoffs on the horizon and go storm. So we move on to some not so happy news here. Um, We have somewhat of a Brittany Griner update, and I know you guys have probably been hearing this from other people as well as it's everywhere, and it should be. Um, Brittany Griner was sentenced to nine years of jail time. She's also fined one million. What is that? Rubles?
0: I want to say rubles, but I'm not.
1: Rubles. Okay. Equivalent to about 16,400 US dollars. The judge said the court took into account Griner's partial admission of guilt, remorse for the deed, state of health and charitable activities. Prosecutors had asked that she be sentenced to nine and a half years in jail. I don't know that. I can say luckily she only received nine because that's still a lot considering how much time she's already spent in there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think everyone's just urging now the Biden administration to get something going, get a trade going, just get Brittany home now. Don't know if you have more to say on that situation there.
0: No, I think that's just the thing. It's like, I know that, well, there was a a good case where uh, it was brought up that a white woman that had brought in more I think it was THC right or is it CBD oil it's THC it was THC had brought in far more THC and got a few months and was fined I think $15,000 and then she was gone so obviously I'm sure uh Griner's stature plays a a, uh impact here right and you know with who russia wants back in a trade it obviously it's like hey we've got her you've got something we want right um so no i mean we've been talking about this for weeks right um and it's just yeah it's like how much can the administration do how much will russia let them do um so it's just obviously really tough and i didn't think back when we started uh the season that we would be you know discussing this unfortunate situation in august so
1: well into the season yeah looking ahead here we'll move back to the storm our record sits at 20 and 13 we're three three games behind las vegas for first second in the western conference there and looking ahead august 9th not like we said not an easy road august 9th they travel to chicago that's a 5 p.m game on the 12th they face the Lynx again at 5 p.m and then on the 14th Once again, the Aces at 12 p.m., and that is the last regular season game. So these next three games determine a lot for the storm, and we just hope that we get to see them here at Climate Pledge for a a playoff game.
0: Yeah, ideally would like to not have called that last game the last home game that Sue ever played. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that, but obviously some really important games. I mean, the defending champs, the Lynx vying for a playoff spot, and the Aces – I mean, probably the best team in basketball. Um, With that being said, I want to apologize. It's the top four teams in the WNBA that get home court. uh, But you're kind of on the brink right now because the Mystics are pushing you. But luckily, the Sparks beat the Mystics narrowly. There's a whole different conversation. But you're you're basically just fighting to be in that top four there for the moment. Yeah. Uh, As we move over to our Sounders, uh, again, kind of a mixed bag, not as much emotion uh, as with the Storm segment, right? Uh, But still some mixed mixed things going on for our Sounders here who play FC Dallas at home on the second, winning that game one to nothing thanks to a Nico Ladero penalty. He becomes player of the game uh, with one goal, three total shots, 91 passing accuracy, and a 7.7 match rating. So you get three points against the number four team in the Western Conference, pretty good. Right. And then you go and play on the road against Atlanta United on the sixth and lose that game two to one uh, against an Atlanta team that's near the bottom of the standings, uh, which is not very good. Uh, Play the game midfielder Christian Roldan, one goal a 79 percent passing uh, accuracy, five total shots, two on target and a 7.6 match rating. So Atlanta, I mean. This was the first time that the Sounders have lost to Atlanta in the two teams' existences. It's always been a draw, or the Sounders have won. Uh, Bottom line, this was a brutal loss. The Atlanta goal to give them the win came in the 94th minute, and the guy who scored it basically said, that's not my skill set. Don't expect him to happen again. So this is just a frustrating loss. Uh, The Sounders dominated offensively in every category, essentially except for goals. So it's, it's brutal. And it feels like that happens way too often. Um, you're, you're right on the cusp of a playoff spot. You're only one point out. You're you're, yeah, you're basically as, as as much as you can be looking through the glass right now, uh, to the playoffs. You're one point out of a playoff spot. You're eighth in the Western conference, but it's difficult. And, you know, I know that Raul's back, Raul Roy is, is healthy. Uh, I know they're trying to be ginger with that. Um, but I just wonder how much not having Joe Paulo in a guy who was a MVP finalist last year, not having him around hurts you. How much of it is? I don't think there's a CCL hangover. I'm not going to really put that out there. I don't think that's what's affecting you, but certainly it's frustrating, right? Because we're getting down to now the last 10 matches of the regular season and you're playing with fire way too much. Um, I know that at the end of the day, CCL is a North American trophy, which is huge. No team in MLS has done it, blah, blah, blah. Um, But you shouldn't be done there is the point. And the Sounders know that. You don't have to repeat that. They know that. Um, At the same time, if you string some wins together, you can shoot up pretty high in the Western Conference. It's a tight race uh, points-wise. So it's losing games instead of... You've got, I believe now, 12 losses on the year. If you cut that in half uh, with draws, I mean, we're farther. We're in a playoff spot right now. So it's uh, frustrating, certainly, especially that loss against Atlanta. But the you you hold the keys to the playoffs in your own hands. You control your own destiny. And it's time for you to take that destiny and stop messing around. Uh, looking ahead, it doesn't get much easier. Uh, as I mentioned, a ten-win, twelve-loss, two-draw record, which is insane—only two draws on the season. Uh, Seattle sits, as I mentioned, eighth in the Western Conference, thirty-two points on the year, only one point out of a playoff spot. Looking ahead, their next game is August 14th versus Real Salt Lake here at uh, Lumen Field. I almost said Climate Pledge Arena. <laughs> ahead of myself here, with a 7 p.m. Pacific time uh, kickoff on ESPN Plus. So uh, we now look over to our Kraken. We get over to Climate Pledge Arena, despite me getting early, uh, with some not s- necessarily huge news, but some pretty important news, I would say, uh, regarding the team itself, the actual arena, uh, and an affiliate of ours. So, Bell, let's uh, take a look at what we got here Kraken-wise.
1: Yeah, some team news here. Jeff Tambolini has been named the organization's director of player development. Prior to joining the Kraken, Tambolini spent – Two seasons, 2021 to and 2122, working as a scout for Tampa Bay, specifically assisting the Lightning with NCAA recruiting. Prior to his tenure in Central Florida, he spent three seasons, 1819, 2021, with the Trail Smoke Eaters of the BCHL, serving as a team's general manager and head coach in his first two seasons with the organization before moving into a senior advisor role. Um, as well on the uh, August on August second, Matt Lark has been added as skills development consultant, and Andrew Allen has been named goaltending scout. So, some notes there. Um, Moving on a little further here, Climate Pledge Arena is going to host a matchup, the matchup in U.S. versus Canada Women's Hockey Rivalry Series. Climate Pledge and the Seattle Kraken are proud to announce that they will host the world's most elite women's hockey players for a matchup between the U.S. Women's National Team and Canadian Women's National Team on November 20th, 2022. The game presented by Symmetra is the first U.S. date of the 2022-23 Rivalry Series featuring these two incredible teams. And moving on to some August 4th news here, AHL affiliate Coachella Valley unveiled their new mascot named Fuego. Do we have a picture of that, Charles?
0: I do not, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get that to you. But just really interesting, just a small note that your affiliate has their mascot and you we don't. don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, um, but just, it is kind of interesting, right? And just so wondering when that Kraken mascot will pop up.
1: Yeah, it's inter- would be interested to see and to know what our Kraken mascot is for sure. You want to segue over to our OR now?
0: <laughs> yeah, so not too much going on there uh, with the Kraken. Obviously, I don't know how much. I mean, maybe you like the mascots, but I'm not. Mascots are cool and all, but I don't you know, yeah. take too much stock in it. I take more of a look at the uh, women's hockey, excuse me, rivalry series. I mean, US, the US and the uh, Canadian teams are two at when the olympics ever come around they're the two top teams in women's hockey and to have them here at climate pledge will be pretty incredible uh, as seattle continues to regrow its hockey uh, namesake i guess you know the history that's here and continue to push that forward so looking over to our rain, as bell mentioned uh again kind of a mixed bag more of on the disappointed side um the rain played two matches uh over the past week one on the road uh, and one back at home. The uh, road game was August 2nd at Racing Louisville. That was a one-to-one draw that, you know, it was tough. The Both of these games, tough to get a lead early on and then concede and either come with a draw and then a loss, as you can see. they of the game for the game uh, against Louisville. Ford Megan Rapino, one assist, 81% passing accuracy, five chances created, and an 8.5 match rating. Uh, August 7th versus Houston back at home, and Kim Little's last game on her loan, unfortunately. Uh, Se- Seattle. The rain would lose that one two to one. Player of the game again, Megan Rapino. Rapino, this time, uh, one goal. So her first goal of the 2022 season, an 8.3 match rating, two chances created, and five total shots. It- it's frustrating uh, because the rain continue to have the issue of putting a ton of offensive attack on their opponents and not being able to finish it the louisville game uh the rain were able to get a goal off of a corner kick and then right before half uh they gave up a goal and it's tied and it's like you slip up for just a little bit and the other team takes advantage the same thing essentially happened uh against houston it just took place later in the game uh both goals for houston came between two minutes of each other Uh, The first one was a penalty that probably shouldn't have been called a penalty. Uh, And the other one was a breakaway where you as a lapse in defense, two minutes, all it took was two minutes. And you're looking at a loss as opposed to a win or even a draw. So these are really frustrating for you, because like with the Sounders, the rain in in, uh, the NWSL, The six top teams in these standings make the playoffs. You're sitting at six right now. You're kind of teetering there, and there are other teams like Kansas City. I believe you're lower than Kansas City now who have jumped you. Um, So it's really up to you. I mean, the talent's there. I talked about it. Uh, in the article I had for this past game where you've got Jordan Hytema, who is really young and really talented. Megan Rapinoe up top. Her experience is invaluable. Bethany Balser is out the last few games with an illness. She was had the second most goals in the league last year. Jess Fishlock in the midfield, Rose Lavelle in the midfield. Those, those are just a few of the players on this roster. And you've got to put it all together uh, consistently, you know. So frustrating for sure, but the talent's there and you still got some time, but you'd like to secure a higher, spa- a higher spot in the standings. Um, and then hosting a playoff game at Lumen, how great would that be, right? Uh, in terms of injury-related news, unfortunately, I believe, as we previously reported, Angelina on the 5th was placed on the season-ending injury list. On Saturday, July 30th, the 22-year-old midfielder suffered an injury to her right knee during the Copa America final while representing Brazil, rupturing her anterior cruciate ligament and lateral meniscus, which is that's brutal in every right. So uh, wishing Angelina a quick, successful recovery, but just for. Her. I mean, she's still very young, as mentioned, but that's just really tough and at least glad that Brazil was able to get that win. So she was able to be part of that. Now, looking into team related news here on the third of the month, Sofia Huerta was named the NWSL Player of the Week. The National Women's Soccer League announced that it was uh, naming Huerta as the league's but wiser Player of the Week for her contributions and the Reigns' win over Angel City FC, that 3-2 comeback. Huerta had the goal and the assist in that comeback, making her the team's third player this season to notch a sort of performance like that in the same game. On the 4th of the month, some more news of Rain players uh, making some highlights for the league. Uh, Bethany Balser and Jess Fishlock were named to the NWSL Best 11 for July. Balser played in three of the Reign's four matches through the month, contributing a total of 257 minutes to the Reign's campaign that month. Uh, the dynamic forward scoring two goals in July while also adding an assist, so three total points there for you. Uh, currently ranking six in the uh, goal scorers across the league. Uh... Fishlock, on the other hand, last year's MVP, played in all four of the Reigns matches in the month and played the full 90 minutes twice. Like Balser, she scored two goals and added an assist for the Reign in July. The reigning MVP started her month off with a bang, scoring the opening goal in the Reigns' 2-0 win over North Carolina and then assisting on uh, Bethany Balser's uh, goal later in that match. So two players there that kind of represent... Um, I, I would want to say pass because obviously... Fishlock won the MVP last year, but two players, as I mentioned, that make this club great and show you the type of talent that they've got on the roster. So hoping to get Bethany back because I believe she's missed the last three games due to illness. Uh, Looking ahead, the Reigns sit at a five win, four loss, six draw record, sixth in the NWSL with 20 points. Different from the Sounders, six draws. That's a lot. That's a lot of points you put on the table. Uh, and you could have been way higher uh, looking ahead. They play next week on the 14th versus uh, Gotham FC with a noon start time. Uh, sister club Olympic Leon will be at this game uh, as they start a US tour. So that will be pretty cool. No Seawolves news here. Unfortunately, they just have the draft this upcoming week on the 18th uh, as we move straight to star of the week. And I think this was relatively obvious. Uh, Bella and I chose Sue Bird. Uh, I mean, I think we've picked her early in the year as well. But I, with everything going on and the emotions and the last regular season home game, I think it just made sense. I don't... It, it's it's hard to put into words what Sue Bird means. Obviously, she should have a statue outside of Climate Pledge Arena. I hope that gets sorted out sooner rather than later and her number retired. But, I mean, do you have any words to put to the legend?
1: Uh, She was asked about the statue, actually, I will say. And she just said that she didn't know, (laughs) you know, nothing that's been confirmed. So she had no comment on it. Um, But it just it was amazing to be in the post-game press conference with her. She just seemed so thankful for her career. Um, And of course, she made sure to emphasize that the job is not done and they are still vying for a championship here. So I just I. Can't even put into words what Sue means to the city and just her dedication and all the years that she spent here. So, again, just a phenomenal person and she'll be missed for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely an honor to, to be around this year for that final season. Um, but as you mentioned, job not finished. Um, It'll, we looked at the storm. It's a tough road ahead. Uh, they continue to vie for playoffs. The Mariners are in a current playoff spot at the time being. The Sounders are vying for playoffs. The Rain are vying. Think, think of what I'm saying. Mariners in a playoff spot. Storm are going to go to the playoffs. They've secured a playoff spot. The Rain are currently in a playoff spot. The Sounders are currently in a playoff spot. The Seahawks begin their season here. The Kraken are approaching their season. The Seaw- Seawolves last year went to the championship game. Some decent success going on. So, with that being said, I want to thank you all uh, for joining us for Circling Shadow Sports on Converge Media. Thank your people that help you make your show go forward. Curtis being here today for us, uh, Belle joining us virtually, uh, and all she does, um, all our photographers that we work with uh -hmm. just excited to see where we continue to bring things and to have all this success going on i mean it makes our job easier right makes it more enjoyable uh with that being said uh we'll see what on the 15th of august the middle of the month we're in august by the time this we i blink we're going to be in december and the seahawks are going to be doing whatever they're doing Mm. um so until we see you next week I mean, it's 80. So I don't say take care of yourself too much. It shouldn't be that hot. Uh, But stay cool, hydrate, uh, take care of yourself and do whatever you can to make today a great day. We'll see you later.